Is that what I'm saying? Rough trade radio. 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 Welcome back to the Rough Trade Podcast. This week, I chat to brilliant writer and critic Amy Raphael on her latest book, A Seat at the Table, Women on the Frontline of Music. George has just about recovered enough from the US Football World Cup celebrations to give us another excellent voicemail. And we have got some great new tracks to introduce you to. Um, whoever said summer was a quiet period for new music, they were wrong, I tell you. So to kick off episode 67, an exclusive play of a track from a band with close ties to the Rough Trade family, Loose Tongues play high-energy post-punk pop rock party from Swansea via Rio. Sound intriguing, you better believe it. I'm a bit obsessed with this song, I have to say. Uh, practically hand-delivered to me, this was, by band member Jackson, who also happens to be a member of the Rough Trade staff. It 100% deserves your attention this. So yeah, see what you think. This is Loose Tongues and Matchhead.
That was Loose Tongues and Matchhead. I bet a fair few of you are going to rewind and replay that at least once, I bet you. Uh, If you're local to London, you can catch them at gigs on the 19th of July at Sister Midnight Records and on the 3rd of August at New River Studios. Next, and the debut from Penelope Isles, a brother-sister-centred alt-rock quartet from Brighton, whose new album, Until the Tide Creeps In, is also the UK album of the week this week. It's Chris woozy, blissful and biting is an album deepened by a shared experience. Um, The band also Rough Trade recommends alumni and we have been waiting very, very impatiently for this one for a good while now. Big star favourite this. Uh, And you can nab it on a beautiful pink vinyl. And yeah, check out this track from it. This is called Leipzig. Penelope Isles and next one of the bands of 2018 our albums of the year 2018 top 10 champions Krungbin are back with an incredible dub version of their second album Con Todo El Mundo called Hasta El Cielo Um, the band's exotic spacious psychedelic funk aligns with the dub treatment amazingly well um, as you'll hear with the next track I'm going to keep the sibling theme from Penelope Isles going and play Brothers and Sisters this is Krungbin
perfect summer vibes and you can also grab it on a very lovely sunny yellow vinyl. Next and Bleached are back with Don't You Think You've Had Enough. Jennifer Clavin called time on excess back in 2017 and her new perspective on sobriety and recovery led to this album's inception. Um, It's an album to blast with two fingers up screaming no regrets and this is a particularly great song with some kick-ass 80s beats I'm about to play you. Check it out, it's called Hard to Kill. Bleached 
And next up, and we've got five to one, and I sat with Amy Raphael just ahead of her book launch to chat about the inspiration behind her new collection of interviews, positivity, negativity, and social media. Here we go. Five to one, baby. One in five. No one here gets out alive now. You get yours, baby. I'll get mine. Gonna make it, baby, if we try. So, Amy, welcome to the Rough Trade podcast. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you chat to us today. Um, at the time of recording, we are sat just ahead of the launch of your brand new book, A Seat at the Table, Interviews with Women on the Frontline of Music, which is taking place here at Rough Trade East. The book is an incredibly fascinating collection of interviews, I think, with 18 women working in the music industry, just to name a very few portion of them, but the likes of Kate Tempest, Alison Moye, Clara Amfo, Maggie Rogers. And it follows on from your acclaimed book, Never Mind the Bollocks, Women Rewrite Rock, which was released back in 1995. From what I've read in the introduction to your new book, I think there's a combination of factors, perhaps, that led you to the decision to write this book and release it now. But I think the one that spoke to me the most was, obviously, your last book you wrote more than 25 years ago. And since then, we would hope that there had been a lot of change. But... Unfortunately, although the industry has come on leaps and bounds in many other ways, the one thing that hasn't really changed much is the treatment of women. Um, so do you think this was maybe the major factor surrounding the decision to release this book at this very time? Yeah, hi. Th- thank you for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, I, 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 Lenny, Lenny Goodings, the former, former publisher of Virago, asked me a few times between the, mm. the, the publication of Nevermind the Bollocks and The Seat at the Table to update it in one way or another, either by going back to the original women or doing a, and, and talking to them about how yeah. things have changed within, say, a decade or even two decades, or to do a completely new list of women. And I kept on procrastinating, partly because that's what writers do, but also because I kind of thought foolishly that things had got better because... Mm from as a kind of music fan I I still write about music but as a as a as a music fan there's so many more female acts around that I kind of hoped that there would have been a kind of drip down effect and that maybe it was getting easier and then I think two two particular um articles that I I read changed my mind one was with Björk for Pitchfork and Björk was in Nevermind the Bollocks and 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 she's I think she is a feminist, but she doesn't. She won't say that she's a feminist, or she won't say she's mm. a hardcore feminist. And and she she was a bit kind of, I mean, brushed off the whole idea of it being difficult for a woman in the music industry in the first book. And then eventually she gave this interview to to, to Pitchfork, I think, in two thousand and five, in which she said, "I'm I'm sick of this now. I'm I'm going to actually start saying that I don't get the um, the attention that's due to me for." co-producing records and it's always the man that I work with that gets all the attention and Mm. I'm now going to be photographed not in a photographic studio but in a recording studio in front of the desk in front of the mixing desk you know saying look I do this this is this is this is I do this as well and I thought that was really interesting because she was angry and Mm. she had not been angry at all when I interviewed her for never mind the bollocks and then there was another piece in the Guardian written by Lauren Mabry of the British band Churches and Lauren's in a band of two guys, and she wrote a piece for The Guardian in the same year, 
um, about how, um, not she was later, Lawrence was later, but she, she wrote an article about how she was trolled on social media for wearing a short dress on stage, um, slicking back her hair to have a wet look mm. and, you know, being a feminist. And she was she was issued with death threats, rape threats, and and so on. And I, I was, I hadn't realised until that point because I wasn't until until I read the the Lauren Mabry article. I I hadn't realised how vulnerable social media could make mm. women, and not just young women, but 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 women um, who were in the public eye. Which sounds kind of naive, but I I I kind of had this. I'd, I'd sold myself a lie somehow that that they were in control. Of, of what they were saying yeah. and therefore you know those kind of nameless trolls those Billy no mates didn't really matter but of course reading that piece I, I could tell that that she you know I mean she she I think she was and when I interviewed her first seat at the table she I think she she thought about leaving the music industry and if she hadn't been supported by her two excellent male bandmates mm. she probably would have done which, yeah. which is you know bloody awful awful news that, that a woman can be bullied to that extent. So I thought with those two pieces, it, it, I started thinking, actually, you know, it would be good to 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 revisit this idea and to talk to a new list of women, not a new generation of women, but a new list of women. And yes, I did try to get Beyonce and Solange and FKA Twigs and all the rest of them. And no, mm. I didn't get anywhere. Um, for whatever reason, I've yet to really be sure of whatever reason <laughs> that is, but maybe because they control their whole, they control everything about themselves, so they don't, they don't need to be in a book like this. But, but there was something liberating then about choosing a bunch of women whose work I love, who are from all over the world, who have very different stories, different ages, uh, different backgrounds, and 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 talking to women who I knew would be honest. Mm about what it was like to be a woman on the front line of music. Yeah. Um, social media is obviously an incredibly hot topic, and you mentioned it just there, but I suppose it's one of the biggest things that's kind of exploded in the last 20 years since you wrote your previous book. Um, and I think you've spoken about how there's maybe two sides to it in that it is in one way incredibly powerful and that it gives women this platform to express themselves in the way that they want to that wasn't there before when it was just the press and but that even wasn't their choice it was how they were interpreted in the press but then it's a double-edged sword as you say because there's all this trolling um do you think over and, ab and above all that it is still a positive thing or do you feel and from speaking to all of these women that actually it's more negative no, I think I think I think it's it's more positive than negative, and I think I think those those women and I I interview another woman in in a seat at the table called Jessica Curry, who is a composer, a BAFTA award winning composer for video games, who had because of of um, you know a woman. It's a very complicated story, but 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 essentially a woman doing a soundtrack for a, for for a video game was really not. Mm. allowed somehow and she got very very badly trolled and again rape threats and death threats and, and so on but I think that there's a way those women have learned it's been a very bad experience for them but 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 Jessica Curry Lauren Mabry and I'm sure every other woman in the book who's on social media has had to learn to not read that stuff mm. 
um, like any journalist who writes for the Guardian or the Observer never reads beneath the line if they're if they've got any sense mm. for them because you you just can't no. because people are I mean I, I I posted today about doing the launch event for the book here at Rough Trade tonight and and there were a few people saying oh who cares about women in music and and then you you know you look at them and they've got two followers they're just bots yeah so you you but you have to get you have to get your head around the fact that these people don't matter and those voices don't matter and and i think i think i think social media is largely largely a good thing i think um Papi Judah would 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 probably will probably say later on tonight at, at the event that um she finds it a, an empowering thing she came out on instagram mm -hmm. um which you know i'll ask her tonight whether or not she still <laughs> thinks that's a good thing uh, i think it's a brilliant thing to do because it it will help so many other um, people to 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 do the same yeah um and i think if i think that's maybe the key to it that if those if these women in my book or women anywhere or people anywhere feel like they can empower other people on social media then it doesn't matter what all those idiots are saying yeah but you have to get to a position of thinking that that doesn't matter and i think that's much easier for me to say because i don't i don't go on social media that much i'm yeah. not i don't i don't rely on it to sell my product as much as um young bands might um so i i i think it it will be very hard be yeah. very very hard and, and and i think i mean i cannot imagine what it's like getting a series of death and rape threats i, I just can't imagine no. what, what what that was like and you can't block everybody and mute everybody no so not at all. But, but on the whole i'd say it's a good thing yeah it kind of reminds me of what nadine shah says in the book where she says Although she was incredibly overwhelmed by the response to her third album and, and is so proud of it, she says in a way she wishes she'd written it for Adele because she has this huge reach and her the messages in um, Nadine's songs could be delivered to so many more people. What do you think about that sort of way of thinking out of it? Um, I mean, Nadine's such a great performer. I wouldn't want anyone but Nadine to, 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 to perform her, her own songs. But I think... No, I mean, I, I can't. She'd have to answer that question. I, I, I think it's, you know, I mean, your audience is your audience, and I think you can grow. In fact, it was interesting. I, I've been, um, I've been emailing Mitski, who's an incredible American artist, who's, who's in my book, who um, much bigger in America than here, although her, her time will come here, and 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 I was emailing her about sending her a copy of the book and asking her how her her. American tour's been going and she's finishing her tour soon and she's coming off social media because she only uses social media in a very, very disciplined way to promote her records and her tours. Mm. And when she first told me about that, I thought, that's not very nice. What about your fans in between? Yeah. But actually, it's a really sane way of doing it. And she's just today, I think, signed off on Twitter and Instagram. So she's promoted everything she needs to promote and for her mental health she won't be on it now yeah. until she's got something else to promote. And I actually think that's a really, really healthy way of doing yeah. it because you don't get into spats. You don't get into, you know, I mean, she, she, as occasionally will, 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 will post something that people will misinterpret and she has to say, no, I didn't mean that. I meant this, mm -hmm. but, but she can present her, her work, you know, uh, and, and use, and use Twitter as a shop front or yeah. use Instagram as a shop front. Yeah. And I think that's a really positive yeah it's kind of breaking that idea that if you have an instagram account or a twitter account you kind of owe it to people to post on there yeah and yeah, tell yeah. Them about yourself yeah like like, a, like you're gonna get you know stamps on your yeah. loyalty card or something yeah i mean it's absurd yeah um 
I want to talk about the way you put the book together because it's quite similar to your previous book in that you have given these women a voice. You know, it's it's written in first person. It very much feels like they are speaking to the reader and it's not through anybody. Was that really important to you? Yes, it it, it was. Um, and I did that with Nevermind the Bollocks. Um, and I think it worked very well. I think taking my, my voice, apart from in the introduction, taking taking my voice out of it did does make does make the text a lot more immediate and i think also giving them a chance to re giving each artist a, a chance to read the copy meant it was a largely collaborative um you know it's it a more collaborative way to work and not every i mean some people had notes i mean in the first book i, I always tell the story of how um because the first book predated the internet completely and so I, I it was either faxes or FedEx packages mm. and Courtney Love would send FedEx packages annotated with red le red lipstick <laughs> <laughs> and you know and then and then Kim Gordon or Debbie Harry who wrote the forward would would you know faxes would arrive in the middle of the night and the fax machine was at the bottom of my bed and it would just kind of start oh, wow. you know whirring at three yeah. o'clock in the morning or, or or whatever time and 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 I think um it was important, important for them. I think if you're giving, it sounds pretentious, but if you're giving these women a safe space to talk, I think it's important to then collaborate. And, and, and you know, we, we don't speak as we want to be read. And I think people quite often say things that can be taken out of context. Mm. And, you know, it, call, it, it calls, it, you always lose a few people along the way if you offer copy approval because people read their chapters and freak out and pull withdraw yeah. from the book okay. um you know and I, I some people have said to me we should just run it anyway because legally i probably could but that defeats the whole object of doing it like that yes. making yeah. it collaborative um some people like maggie rogers got upset that i wrote mum instead of mom um you know and that was obviously very quickly and easily rectified mm -hmm. but then chris and the queens didn't have a single note so you know it, it's it's but i think it's a good way of doing it um, and also it's quite a good way of getting people to be involved in the book if yeah. you say they can read yeah. it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted to ask also what most shocked you when you were interviewing all of these women because there's so many shocking things throughout all of the stories, um, some surprising, some not surprising. Um, I think you were definitely very intrigued by Chris from Christine and the Queen's story, maybe in particular, and there's that the quote about how she was approached and she was basically dismissed because they said she wasn't fuckable, which is obviously appalling. Are you, in a way, not surprised by much of what is said these days, or are there still things that really shock you? I think I think I'm surprised that that she could, that with with that with that quote from the, the from from Chris's chapter, I, I was surprised that she was clearly told that kind of firsthand. I'd have been less surprised if she'd have heard it third hand. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe they told her manager. I don't know. I think I think they said it to her. But I, I think also Poppy Judas says in her chapter talks about not wanting to sign to a major because she was, you know, she 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 didn't want to be told what to do by privileged white guys, mm. and those were the only people she met. Um, and I think I, shocking. No, not really. I, 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 I don't think I've been around for long enough not to be shocked by that kind of thing. But the idea that what, what I now kind of find joyous is, is the fact that, you know, Chris does these incredible 
gigs. Um, I've I've seen her. I saw her play in Birmingham on on the, the the last UK tour she did, and I saw her at Primavera a couple of weeks ago. And she's completely joyous. She's sexy as hell. The audience love her. Whoever the audience is, they love her. Whatever demographic, whatever demographic, they love her. And and you know that's a big fuck you to the record label mm. who who didn't get it, mm. who didn't see the, the actually what she was doing. She was ahead of the game. She mm. was so ahead of the game. And now she makes perfect sense Yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and we even stayed up. My 14-year-old made us stay up really late to see Charlie XCX. And when Chris came on with Charlie XCX at Primavera, I mean, mm. it was just incredible with that audience that Charlie XCX has got, which is very, very mainstream, Yeah. To, to see Chris come on and be adored like that. You know, I mean, have the last word, yeah. really, is, is the only answer for, yeah. to that kind of thing, I think. Yeah, I think she says, doesn't she, that when she first started releasing music, she was so taken aback by the fact that it took off and suddenly she was receiving all this love when I think she probably expected more to receive, you know, people dissing it or giving negative comments. And she was prepared for that yeah. because she's fought yeah, that yeah. all her life. But having all these people love it. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, I mean, she probably got a bit lucky with the zeitgeisty thing of, of that. I mean, possibly five years before, there would have been more homophobia around her. Mm. Um, I'm sure there is, if you look for it. Um, or more, what is that? People mm. not understanding um, how absolutely fantastic she is. Um, but no, I, I think it's, you know, the, there's there's a lot of horrible things going on in the world in terms of, society being divided and and so on and i it, you know the fact that somebody like chris can be so completely accepted is amazing mm. and it also goes to show that i think this book isn't just highlighting how stuck we are and how things haven't really gone on but also all the positive things that there are out there and these women building this collective and supporting each other so i think it's important to mention that this isn't just a book about people who are writing about their bad experience. Oh, God. No, no, no. And I mean, you, very you've positive got, ones. Yeah, you've got somebody like Alison Moyer, who's in her late 50s, talking about how much she embraces being invisible as a, as a middle-aged woman. You've got Natalie Merchant, who who really is on the front line of dealing with, with women in crisis, working for women who've, who've been raped and, and women who've had, who live in extreme poverty in America and, 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 you know, working with them and their kids. Um, you know, there are many, many joyous stories in 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 this book. And and Kaylee Shaw, who who's not a huge name over here, but I wanted to talk to somebody who'd who lives in Nashville and, and makes country music and she's in her twenties and, and she found it very hard going to Nashville because it's so, 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 so male still. Mm. And so her and a bunch of other young women her age formed a collective and they play once a week, once a month. And they all support each other. And I think there was maybe a moment where they were they were all a bit kind of, oh, no, I want to be successful and I'm not going to support her. And then they realized that was absolutely idiotic. Yeah. And, and so they all, you know, now play together and, and support each other. And in fact, young the young women in the book, like Ibeyi and Kaylee Shaw, talk a lot about how the Internet has given them that kind of sense of, for want yeah. of a better word, sisterhood. Yeah. And that they do all support each other. Yeah. And there isn't any kind of backstabbing going on, which yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. And I guess it plays into the idea that maybe in 20 years time from now, things will be even more improved. Maybe not just from the Internet, but just from being more outspoken about these things. Yeah. And I think I think I don't I don't think music hasn't had its kind of 
Me Too moment particularly. But I think that as a result of Me Too and Time's Up, women in the music industry are certainly learning how to say, no, mm. I don't want that. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you get a journalist like Laura Snapes at The Guardian who's written brilliantly about Ryan Adams and, you know, then been quoted by the 1975 at the mm. Brits and so on. And that's what you need. You need women, very women in very, you know, female journalists in very high profile jobs kind of feeding that, you know, we're not going to have this anymore and we're going to speak up. You, yeah. you need that to happen. Yeah. Um, do you think you would look to write a book in another 20 years time if you see things that Jesus, I'll be 72. I'll be 72. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll be happily retired and living in Italy. I, I don't know. No, I don't know. If, yeah, if, yeah, I get my daughter to do it. She's 14. She could do it when she's 34. <laughs> <laughs> um, one final thing I wanted to ask Um I definitely noted that you mentioned that not all of the women in this book are necessarily identify as feminists. How would you describe feminism today? Because I think it gets bashed around in so many different ways and forms and it's identified in so many different ways. Do you think it's important to define it for for the purpose of this book or do you think it's kind of left to everybody's interpretation? No, I, 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 I don't particularly like labels. I mean, my, my 14-year-old is a feminist. Some of her friends are feminists, some of the, her friends aren't. She... She would probably define it as, um, equal, you know, on the, on the very basic um, I, I, idea of equality with men. Um, I think it's, for, I think for me, you see, I think I think a lot. I think a lot of the time, women say they're not feminists, and they are. I mean, Catherine Marks, who's, who's in a seat at the table, who who won best producer of the year, not best female producer, but best producer, doesn't particularly feel like a feminist. And mm. yet she is mm. by the very nature of the work she's doing. Um, and she's, you know, working as a producer and an engineer where there's hardly anybody. Or I think I said earlier, it was 2% of engineers and producers are female, which is absolutely absurd. And she's therefore a role model. Mm. So if she's not a feminist, then she's a role model. Maybe mm. she'll be happy with that. But my definition of feminism would be, I don't, I, I, I don't, I just treat everybody well, treat everybody kindly, treat everybody well, and and don't assume that you're better than somebody because of your gender, your race, your colour, your class, whatever. I mean, I think it goes right across the board. Yeah, I could talk to you for so many, many more minutes, hours, months about this book, <laughs> um, but I will leave you to obviously divulge much more of it tonight in the event um thank you so much for chatting to us i encourage everybody anybody to read this book um, not just women not just women exactly <laughs> um i thank you very much and can i possibly ask you to pick a track that we could play out your interview with today maybe perhaps a track by one of the women in the book or something that particularly speaks to you uh let's go for tilted chris and the queens brilliant amy thank you very very much thank you Sleep with ammonia And 
you have dialed can't take your call now at the tone please record your message when you have finished recording simply hang up or press the pound key for further options oh okay i get it i i understand why you're not picking up this time i didn't call last week you guys missed me you don't know what you got until it's gone type of vibe i get it so i'm back here that's right it's george from rough trade nyc uh, the best smelling record store in new york city voted three years running Let's keep it going, guys. Come on, staff, stay clean. Um, we had a lot to celebrate recently. We had the 4th of July here, which means a lot to us Americans. And um, it's also, we also are the, the Women's World Cup victors. I mean, I'm not, but my country is. Very exciting. Um, I'm pitching LCD Sound System to do like a World in Motion, New Order reboot thing. I think that would be pretty dope, but we'll see. Um, 
I'm here to talk about one thing, one thing only, guys, okay? That's the summer sale. It's hot, it's sticky. Let's get out of the, the heat and go into our lovely air-conditioned store and buy some records that are cheaper than they normally are. It's that simple. Um, but if you can't make it to the store, that's cool. You go to the website, roughtrade.com. Here's something worth noting. Even though the UK and the US are having the sale, we have like totally different inventories. So it's definitely worth checking out both you know, UK and US uh, sites and finding gems. And it's even easier to find them now because this year we've, we've added some great sorting capabilities on our website. So you can sort by genre, by label, by um, format, you know, if it's colored vinyl or not, you know, which means a lot to some people, hashtag the colored vinyl guy. Um, so I'm here just to give you some of my picks from the summer sale. These are titles that are 25% off right now. Gems that you must take advantage of at this more affordable price. Uh, the Mini Dresses, self-titled album. They're a Boston indie pop band. Super cute, intimate, lovely band. This album's great. Luna, A Sentimental Education. This is the covers album that Luna did a couple years back. They do all sorts of great stuff like um, The Cure's Fire in Cairo and the song called Gin, which I had never heard of, by uh, Willie Loco Alexander. That's a beautiful song. Um, but then my, I guess my biggest pick would be this one, Josh T. Pearson, Last of the Country Gentlemen. Josh T. Pearson was in Lift to Experience. They were an amazing band. He put this solo record out a while back. It's been reissued. It's so great. If you're like into cowboy boots and you just had a breakup, you must buy this album. Um, even if you're not wearing cowboy boots, you know, you can just be going through a breakup or just be into cowboy boots. You know, it's either one applies, really. It's just a beautiful, heartfelt album and it has these epic jams that are just they're they're rough in such a good way so uh i'm gonna see if these guys can play out guys can we play the josh e pearson track drive around it's one of the shorter ones thanks for checking in with rough trade nyc i love you guys bye
That was the wonderful Josh T. Pearson. And thank you so much to George. And we'll catch him again next week, I am sure. Massive thanks also goes out to Amy Raphael. Please, please go and read her book. It is such a wonderful, incredible, brilliant collection of stories from equally incredible um, women. I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. And it is available now at Rough Trade UK. Um, before I close out the show this week, I must further George and mention that the Rough Trade Summer Sale is now live across all of our stores and also online. There are hundreds of great titles at amazing knockdown prices with 25% off. So do get digging physically or digitally. Um, I'll leave the link in the show notes. Hope you find something amazing. Um, to play us out this week, Block Party. So the band release Silent Alarm Live this week and it's a stunning stunning album of sets from their European tour and also their Alexandra Palace homecoming show um, it's 100% one for your collection this I played I did a little poll on Instagram and Twitter a few weeks back on everybody's favourite track from Silent Alarm and there was so much response it's obviously such a well loved record and rightly so it's super brilliant um, so yeah I'm going to leave you with This Modern Love because I think it was the second most highly requested song when I did that poll um, yeah, and I'm going to run back to my computer now and indulge in Federer versus Nadal, which is playing as I record this. Um, by the time you hear this, though, I'm hoping that Federer will be Wimbledon champion. And for Niger's sake, that England devour New Zealand in the Cricket World Cup. Um, so, yeah, here's hoping. Fingers crossed. Um, have a very, very lovely week. Thank you very much for listening, and I will catch you next week. Bye.
Rough Trade Radio. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.